down to Y Food, the edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome in. It's Inside the Pocket with Greg McElroy. I am your host, Greg McElroy. And with me, as always, is Andrew Emmer. He is our producer, does a great job of putting everything together for us. We have Ryan Leaf coming up here in just a little bit, former number two overall pick and former San Diego Chargers quarterback. He does a great job covering not just the NFL, but college on ESPNU Radio and on a bunch of other platforms here on the great Sirius XM. When we left you just last week, it felt like there was a real possibility that we were going to be seeing a new quarterback in town for the New York football giants. Well, guess what? A week later, Daniel Jones is our gold star recipient. He didn't have a touchdown, but more importantly for Daniel Jones, he didn't have an interception. And if you look at his accuracy numbers, he was the most accurate quarterback in the league on Sunday. Truly amazing to see what he was able to do. If you want a down-by-down breakdown of what Daniel Jones did, please check out our Inside the Pocket Quarterback Spotlight that we do every single week. So it allows us to kind of dive into all the many nuances by breaking down the tape and giving you specific examples of what made that performance special. Not always positive, but this week it was. So credit to Daniel Jones for an outstanding week. Let's talk a little bit about just what he was able to do. He was pressured against the Eagles on more than 40% of his dropbacks, 14 out of 33 to be exact. It's the third time this season he's faced a pressure number of at least 40%. However, what I was most impressed with was not what happened and how he handled pressure. I thought he handled pressure for the most part admirably. Wouldn't say it was great. They did just fine. But when they didn't bring pressure, that's when he was at his best. He was 17 of 17 for 145 yards and was getting the ball out extremely quickly. He was decisive and got the ball out in less than two and a half seconds from snap to throw. That's the fastest rate of his NFL career. And the things that were going sideways for him the last few years were those throws down the last few weeks, excuse me, were those throws down the field, those balls that traveled more than 10 yards. He was seven of nine on those throws for a season high 167 yards on those passes. And then most importantly, what he was able to do with his legs really provided a spark to the Giants team that is now just a half game out of first place. And frankly, with all the momentum heading into the stretch run of the season. So Daniel Jones gets my gold star, not just because of his performance, but because he distanced himself even further. The Giants, excuse me, I guess I guess we should say Daniel Jones. He distanced himself even further from that number one overall pick. So it's looking more and more likely that Daniel Jones will be the quarterback for G-Men for many years to come, or so we can all hope. Uh, let's get to one concerning note at the quarterback spot. In case you missed it, Drew Brees does have fractured ribs on both sides. Now, I actually went through a similar injury 
And I am really worried about Drew Brees and whether or not he's going to be available for the stretch run. I happen to think he won't be. Knowing that he's aging, I had broken ribs when I was 21 years old. I broke them in the SEC championship game 37 days prior to having to play the Texas Longhorns in the national championship. And full disclosure, I spent about four hours a day with the bone stimulator to try to improve the, I guess, the process of the bone rehabilitation, the calcification process, if you will. A lot of scientific words. So if I'm saying them wrong, I apologize. But this is a football-centric podcast. It's not about the medical field. So I'll send that for another day. But I am really concerned knowing that 37 days after my injury, I was still in a decent amount of pain. I could play and did play for the national championship, but I didn't feel very good doing so. And I do think had I not gotten hit early in the game, I could have probably had more of a contribution. But I'm telling you, if you expect Drew Brees, and I heard some of the prognosis coming out from great insiders across the NFL saying two to three weeks, I'm telling you, he will be lucky if it's six weeks. I'm just telling you. Uh, Someone his age, and if he comes back, he's going to be playing through a lot of pain. So will he be a better option than Jameis Winston? who is a veteran player, has played a lot of football, has been careless with the football from time to time, but is a capable backup and or Taysom Hill. The most interesting thing about the Saints quarterback position is the fact that since 2018, including the playoffs, the Saints have used two quarterbacks at once, 542 offensive snaps. That is almost 10 times more than the next closest team that is snapped the ball only 60 times with two quarterbacks on the field. That team is the Baltimore Ravens. The Saints, 542 offensive snaps with at least one quarterback on the field. Now, Taysom Hill, will he be a package player or will his package expand? We'll find out. But if you're looking for similarities between Jameis Winston and Drew Brees, the similarities stop when you get past what color jerseys they were wearing. They are completely different players. Drew Brees, up to this point of the season, has averaged throwing the ball air yards per attempt, meaning the ball travels this far in the air before it reaches the receiver. He has averaged five and a half air yards per attempt. That would be the lowest mark of any quarterback in the NFL in the last 15 years. He's not a check down Charlie. But he's a check down Charlie. He wants to carve you up with a million paper cuts. Four, five, six, seven, eight-yard completions at a time. Just right down the field. He'll dink dink and dunk you to death. But it's very effective. Jameis Winston is quite literally the opposite. Over the course of the 2015 to 2019 season, when he was the starting quarterback in Tampa Bay, he averaged over 10 air yards per attempt. Nearly double what Drew Brees has done up to this point of the season. What gives, we're going to find out. It's going to be a fascinating thing to watch because I expect Jameis Winston to be the Saints starting quarterback for the next six games. We'll see. That's it. That's that's just telling you everyone's breaks are different. Everyone heals differently. But if I were to assume, I do not anticipate seeing Drew Brees very soon. Time to go now to the Titan Up Award. And for the first time, I'm going to give the Titan Up Award to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been a breath of fresh air 
the rookie quarterback has been absolutely outstanding. I mean, he really has. Every single week, he's given this team a chance. Now, maybe that's being a little bit too generous with the praise, but I'm telling you, the guy's been off the charts, and he's the first pick overall for a reason, and he's displayed not just accuracy and timing and sneaky athleticism, but a maturity well beyond his years. However, he struggled against Pittsburgh on Sunday. He was blitzed on nearly one-third of his dropbacks, and he completed only five of 14 passes while being blitzed. He was stacked multiple times, and we know that the Steelers are a team that wants to get after the quarterback. Like We know that. That's no surprise. But Burrow did not handle the pressure as well as he has up to this point. On throws that traveled more than 10 yards downfield, he was only 2 of 11. That was his fewest completions in his career on throws that travel that distance. Remember, we're talking about a guy that is ridiculously good and accurate at all three levels. And coupled that, your paycheck as a quarterback, your paycheck is really obvious with how you play on third down. I mean, they're borderline synonymous. If you're a great quarterback, you're great on third down. Well, unfortunately for Joe Burrow, he and his Bengals teammates, they failed to convert a third down. They went 0 for 13. And on such downs, Joe Burrow was only 3 of 11 for 10 yards. That's right, 13 third down conversion attempts. Joe Burrow was 3 of 11 for 10 yards. Just not good enough. But if that's the lone black eye on what's been potentially a rookie of the year type season, I think most Bengal fans and analysts have evaluated Joe Burrow up to this point would be awfully impressed. I mean, I've been I've been amazed by the kid. And if he hasn't, I mean, if he hadn't set the bar thing high, he probably wouldn't have gotten the Titan Up Award this week. <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, another guy that I considered for the Titan Up Award is Russell Wilson, who in the second consecutive week continues to be careless with the football. I can understand, though, where he's at right now. couple interceptions again this week. I can understand where he's at right now. He he's in a spot where his defense is so horrendously bad that he feels like he's got to force the issue. And hopefully here in what will be a short week, because he's coming back here in just a couple days to play against the Arizona Cardinals. If he's not at his best, then they could potentially lose what was a firm control on the division. So I expect a bounce back performance from him would not be surprised at all if he's able to deliver that bounce-back performance. But the actual bounce-back award this week goes to Matthew Stafford. Now, Matthew Stafford, he's quietly put together a pretty dang good year. Now, is it the Stafford of old where he's one of the top quarterbacks in America? No, I wouldn't say that he's quite to that extreme. But I would say that he was in a position going up against a Washington team that I thought did a pretty dang good job. I mean, Alex Smith 
threw for a career high 390 yards, and they almost came back and pulled off the upset. But Stafford, couple throws that traveled the distance. I mean, 20 yards in the air, more than 20 yards in the air. He's two for two on deep balls. And entering that game, Stafford had had just one touchdown on a ball that traveled more than 20 yards downfield. Just one. And he had two in the game on Sunday and pulling the Lions through with a three-point victory. So Matt Stafford gets the bounce-back award because it would be just far too easy to give it to Tom Brady. <laughs> it would. After Tom Brady's performance against the New Orleans Saints, where they got beat by five touchdowns, I was really disappointed. But I also thought that the lack of success was not exclusive to Tom Brady. I think that Tom Brady and the blame in that game could have been kind of pushed out to all corners of the organization. If you look at the offensive line, the protection, the inability to get guys open, the play calling, the lack of focus on the protection, not helping on the edges at all. Yeah, Tom Brady was not at his best by any stretch against New Orleans, but I'm not really that surprised that he bounced back against Carolina the way they did, especially after what was uh, the delayed flight. You know, they delayed their flight seven hours. They couldn't take off till seven, till 11 o'clock at night. Oh my goodness, how are they going to play? They're pros. They're going to be just fine. It's funny the way people made a huge deal of that. So there it was. The Gold Star Award going to Daniel Jones, not just for his performance, but he continues to put his team in position these last couple of weeks to be successful. He's no longer being careless with the football, which is really nice to see. The Tighten Up Award, like I alluded to, the, the Tighten Up Award could very easily go to Russell Wilson, but I'm not going to go there because I feel like he's pressing. But I'm going to give it to Joe Burrow. So I just didn't think Joe Burrow gave his team much of a chance in their performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And hey, who has? Steelers defense is outrageously good. And then the bounce back award goes to Matthew Stafford, who threw three touchdown passes, two of which traveled more than 20 yards in the year. That doubles his season total up to this point. So a great job by Matthew Stafford in securing the win for the Detroit Lions. All right, when we come back, we'll be joined by the number two overall pick of the 1998 draft. Ryan Leaf joins us here on Inside the Pocket. Our next guest on Inside the Pocket, the former number two overall pick of the San Diego Chargers in the 1998 draft. He is Ryan Leaf. Rhino, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's let's start there with the Chargers, a team that I know uh, you've been paying close attention to, more specifically to what we're seeing from former Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert. Now, last week's game against Miami, not exactly what we've come to expect from the talented rookie, but what have your impressions been of him so far, given what he's had to step into, kind of surprisingly knowing that Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be the guy here in 2020? Yeah, it, it's surprising to a lot of people. I, I don't think it was too surprising to me on how well he's doing. I thought he was going to be an impact player when he got the chance, watching him at Oregon for the last four years. But uh, I think a lot of people are surprised. And the fact that he got the start because a doctor injected uh, a needle into the lung rather than into the cartilage 
of Tyrod Taylor. It's, it's, I mean, it was meant to be apparently, unfortunately for the chargers is though he's playing as good as anybody in the league at the quarterback position, they can't seem to win the games. They have been depleted by injuries on the defensive side of the football. Uh, unfortunately for Anthony Lynn, he may have found the chargers next great quarterback. It just may not be his quarterback because he may be looking for a job when this season's all said and done. I think it's one of those situations because I, he's been dealt kind of an uncomfortable hand. I mean, given the fact that it's COVID first and foremost, so it's difficult to get an assessment Two, you lose your starting quarterback in week two. I mean, you're starting your, your quarterback now is playing fantastic. You have your best offensive playmaker at running back in Austin Eckler, who's been sidelined for an extended period of time with the hamstrings. So, uh, I mean, how accountable is Anthony Lynn to what's going on right now with the Chargers? Well, you just, you you never quite know what the Spanoses are going to do. And that's the biggest thing. He's, he's well-liked in the building. He works really hard. Um, I I didn't think any coaches were going to get fired during COVID. I didn't think any college coaches for sure were going to get fired in COVID because of the economic optics of it all. But you watched the the Texans uh, go a different direction. You just watched South Carolina give away a guy who has a $15 million buyout. So clearly one domino had to fall. And if the Spanoses feel like they can go get somebody else, let's say an Eric Bieniemy, uh, or even a Joe Brady out in uh, uh, Charlotte, even after only one year in the, the league, they may, may, they may, may do that. Who knows? I'd like to see Anthony Lynn stay. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to monitor that situation here in the coming weeks. Um, you have also, you played as a young quarterback and I've had a chance to have several guys that have played young. I have some guys that didn't really blossom until the latter part of their career. We had Rich Gannon just, just a few days ago. And then we've, we've had Mark Sanchez, you know, so like opposite ends of the spectrum, a guy that came into his own in year 15 versus a guy that went to the AFC championship as a rookie. So two opposite ends, you fall somewhere kind of in between where you did get to play, made a couple mistakes. You've, you've talked about that openly, but what would you advise these young guys to do if they were to live it all over again? For instance, I've played early and maybe it hasn't gotten off to the best start in the world. Well, I, I think once you walk in the room, uh, you look for the guy that's been in there uh, as long as as could be possible. You know, a guy that's played nine or ten years, regardless of position. And you go to him and you ask him, how did you do it? How did you become a professional football player? And then you follow their advice verbatim. Now, I had two wonderful examples in Junior Seau and Rodney Harrison. And instead of you know, just kind of being like a lost puppy and following them around. I just kind of befriended them and really didn't listen. Uh, I think the best way to put it, you've got to be pliable to listen. See yourself as the Fortune 500 company's CEO, but be open-minded enough to listen to the people that have been there and, and paved, the, paved the way. And I think that was my biggest problem. I just, I thought I had all the answers, not only in football, but in life and everything like that. So that's I was almost doomed to fail. Mark Sanchez's situation, he, he's been, he went to the AFC championship his first two years he played, you know, and it, it just didn't seem like um, it was enough. And that's one of the biggest things that goes on right now is that you got quarterbacks that I think that are 
clearly good enough. You you saw Jimmy Garoppolo take the San Francisco 49ers to a Super Bowl a year ago, and now people are saying he may never not take a snap again for San Francisco. And I, it, it's amazing how the expectations of these quarterbacks, uh, if if they're placed really, really high, Super Bowl or bust, and, and I don't mean just get there, win it. And there's a handful of guys that can do that right now, I feel. And if you're not one of those guys, you could just become a journeyman in this league, you know, and the good thing about the quarterbacks coming in the league now, they're capable enough to bounce from team to team and probably have a career of 12 or 15 years, not necessarily be a star, but make a heck of a lot of money in the business of football. Chase Daniel, for one of them, Luke McNown, who just retired a couple of years ago. Those situations are really prevalent, I think, for quarterbacks right now in the NFL. The superstardom, they're, they're few and far between, but when they show up, boy, are they special. Do you think part of the reason why these guys, for instance, the Sam Darnolds of the world, the Carson Wentz's of the world, do you think a part of the reason why, and don't get me wrong, it's warranted, um, the Mitch Trubisky's who, who's certainly struggled uh, prior to getting benched for Nick Foles. I think part of the reason why they come under such intense scrutiny is because we see guys like Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, uh, or even Tua Tagovailoa in very short, very small sample size. We see them come into the league and then all of a sudden take the league by storm. Kyler Murray. I mean, everyone thinks it looks easy because those guys make it look easy. So how much of it is because of unrealistic and unfair expectations? And how much is it because of how other guys have kind of ruined it for everybody else? <laughs> yeah, they have ruined it. But I mean, you... Kyler Murray is a once in a generation athlete, a guy who can be drafted in the top 10 in baseball and the top five in, in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's, he's, he broke the mold, right? He's the only, he's the guy, Joe Burrow, what he did in college a year ago, right? Now they're not very good uh, in Cincinnati, but he has been really, really good. So the expectations that some of these guys put in place make play from the other quarterbacks look mediocre at times. Now the jets are just abysmal. So, you know, Sam Darnold isn't the problem there for me. It's, it's the coach, it's the personnel, it's, it's all of those things mixed up, but Sam's probably not going to get the benefit of the doubt here, especially if they end up with the number one draft pick because they're going to go and, and probably go after Trevor Lawrence. I think the best possible thing for Sam would be a, a different environment um, where he can showcase his ability I really, really do. Um, Carson Wentz, you know, he has an, he's having an MVP year, the year they go to the Super Bowl and win it, and he gets hurt. Nick Foles comes in and is the Super Bowl MVP. And Carson Wentz hasn't been able to duplicate that type of run, that type of year since. And because the guy who came in and backed him up won the Super Bowl, those expectations are just crazy, crazy high. So... What Justin Herbert, what Kyler Murray, what Joe Burrow, and what Tua Tungabaloa have been able to do is impose their will. In that, I mean, they walk into locker rooms and they change environments. Some guys walk into the locker room and kind of blend into the environment and are never really the kind of leader that it takes. Joe Burrow being named captain before the season started as a rookie, that for me is super telling. The team saw what Tua was doing during the weeks when he was the backup. They were okay with this move from a uh, replacing a veteran 
who was the heart and soul of the team they felt for a while during this year. So I think that's the biggest key. Guys that can come in and change the environment around them. Those guys have done that. Peyton Manning did that in my year. I didn't, right? I didn't have an identity. And even though I won my first two starts, when things got bad, um, I wasn't the leader they needed. Look at what Justin Herbert's doing. Look at what Joe Burrow's doing. Both guys are losing tons of games, but this team will fight tooth and nail for them. They are the leaders of that, that team now. They've changed the environment. They, they without question have as we visit with Ryan Leaf, former Washington State Cougar, former tr- well-traveled veteran in the NFL and former second overall pick of the 1998 draft. As we kind of reflect back to your career, just as a physical, I mean, honestly, just an unbelievable thrower of the football. What do you think, if it was just in today's day and age, if you were playing today, how would you, as a guy that was mobile, but not overwhelmingly mobile, how would you have fared in the RPO offense? Like, would you have need, obviously your size is a massive, massive benefit to anyone, but how would a guy like you that isn't going to make a ton of plays with this, like enough, but not a ton, how would you have fared in today's NFL? Well, I, I would, would think that it would have benefited me a ton, especially with the lack of um, physicality, the defensive's, can play with, um, you know, that's what was so difficult was how my wide receivers could get manhandled and the DBs would make plays down the field on me. It, it really did. Now, I never want anybody to think that if I would have played in a different generation or, uh, you know, been with another team or anything that things would have been different. I was the problem. I was the problem behaviorally, emotionally, maturity, all that stuff. So I, I think that if I was playing in this day and age, it would have, those character defects wouldn't necessarily have been found out as quickly because I would have had a little more success, I think. Um, because you're right, you know, as, as talented as I was at the quarterback position, uh, talent can only get you so far. There, you know, are 32 talented quarterbacks each week that play. And there's probably, like we talked about, a handful of guys that are great. And, and that's important to realize um, it, it, it takes a lot. It, it takes success. It takes um, maturity. It takes mental strength really to deal with failure on a weekly basis and not let it erode your confidence because these elite athletes have made one of maybe one of the most fragile egos and confidence uh, levels that you can imagine for guys who have been so successful their whole life. It can, it can teeter and fall before you know it. And certainly guys have seen their careers go you know, the other way immediately uh, and other guys are being able to sustain because they know that when they fail, it's just an opportunity to do it better the next time. Yeah. And when you think about just the mental toughness that's required to play in the NFL, I mean, there's going to be days. I remember they used to say all the time, like, Hey, they're paying the, this guy's got a paycheck this week too. Right. I mean, you know, And I think when you come from college and you come from a pedigree of such remarkable success, adversity is something that guys struggle with. Now, I think, I mean, I think Alex Smith would be a guy that would tell you specifically. He's a great example of a guy that has withstood the test of time, but he'll tell you the reason why I wasn't good my first few years because I'd never, ever, ever not completed 75% of my passes. Like I never, I never not had to, you know, I never had to throw it away. I, I had a guy's open all the time and I could fit it in any window I wanted to at the college level. So 
what what I guess how much of a of a gauge should we put on mental toughness at the position? Because it does feel like today the offenses are more geared probably than ever before to allow quarterbacks to have success. But when you don't, how you respond to those challenges, I think is a measure of, of guys that might last over the course of a decade or more. So how do we evaluate that? And how do we make sure, you know, that those guys are tested in the process of their evaluation throughout the combine and meetings and all those other things that you might have throughout the draft process? I think it's a large variable you know, in this algorithm that, that exists for success for a quarterback. Um, you know, I think a lot of things can play into it. The health of the team, your coach, I mean, the organization and their willingness to stand by you. If you have this great leadership quality and a personality, I mean, Alex Smith must've had that because uh, if you look at his stats from his first couple of years, brutal, a, a lot of teams don't give you the benefit of the doubt and let you go to a second contract or they tried to replace him. Guys just weren't able to do it. Right. And he just, he was stood and withstood and then got to Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh really helped grow his ability there in the NFL level. And then sure enough, Colin Ka- Kaepernick comes in and, and he's ousted there and he gets with, with uh, coach Reed and that, that changes significantly for him. So the fact that he got opportunity after opportunity has to completely be around his mental health variable and his leadership qualities that the organization could see in him and knew that this was the best guy we could get to do what we need him to do. We just need to surround him with better, better people, better players. And, and I think that's rare. It's rare in this league. You usually get I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be out and gone. Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, both number one and number two picks didn't get their fifth year. Uh, they got their fifth year options. Didn't cut it. Now they're both backups on different teams. Those types of things. Mitchell Trubisky will probably end up with another team, but he, he may never be a starter again, truly, yeah. you know, because of that expectation that was given as a second pick in the overall in the NFL draft and not being able to be successful. So, and I think he's, I think his career has been successful in comparison to a lot of things that I weigh it to. He went to the playoffs in year two, you know, this year he's, he started the season out real well. Clearly, he had a short leash, um, but they haven't improved offensively since Nick Foles got in there. So uh, it's difficult. Expectations are levied high when you are a high draft pick, period. No, there's no denying that. As we visit with Brian Leaf, we'll just a couple more minutes with him. Does a great job on SiriusXM, the Pac-12 channel, and also uh, does an awful lot on ESPNU Radio. So we always look forward to our visits with him when we have him on our show and when we listen to him on his shows, he's all often with Jason Horowitz uh, and others there uh, all over the time slots there on ESPN, New radio channel 84, Ryan, we'll get you out of here on this. If you could have one young quarterback named Patrick Mahomes, who would you pick right now in the NFL? Uh, Kyler Murray. And uh, a, a year ago, I just simply thought, you know, it, he was going to be too undersized, but I knew that it was the best possible draft pick because of who they hired as the head coach. He was going to walk right into an offense. He'd been in for years and I did not recognize the athleticism that existed in him. And when I talked about him earlier and said, he is a once in a million quarterback, a guy who could be that short, but have that much athletic ability to never take a hit straight on to make the first guy miss in the open field every single time and to have the arm strength 
to do the things that he's done throwing the football as well. It's a perfect fit. Uh, I couldn't have asked for anything more from a quarterback that was with a lot of question marks for people to get a head coach that ran an offense that he'd been running since he was probably a sophomore in high school. I mean, it's been a perfect fit. They've added to it. The fact that they were able to get DeAndre Hopkins uh, in that trade was an absolute steal by their general manager. And we saw how it, how it played out on Sunday. And now they're in the a race for first <laughs> place with Seattle. And I, and you know, if it's not Patrick Mahomes for me right now, it's Kyler Murray in terms of how the offenses in this league are moving. He's going to be a great fit for a long time for that, for that team in Phoenix. I just don't know. I honestly, I have no idea how you slow him down. I mean, I'm, I, I'm talking running the football. I don't mean like throw. I think there's still things I'd like to see him do a better job of throwing it. I think his maturity is of the tiniest bit of concern. Um, but man, like with him and the ball, and I don't know how you tackle him. The guy's so quick. I, I really, I don't know how. I really don't know how. He's like Darren Sproles, except he can throw it. He's got an he's got an arm. Like he's like that in the open field. It's unbelievable. And the offense that they run, you know, they don't ask too much of him to throw the football. And 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 I was skeptical of the air raid at the pro level. And Cliff Kingsbury clearly has shown that, you know, success in the, at the collegiate level is not a barometer for how you can do at the next level. He's a great head coach. People follow him. He's young. He's energetic. Uh, that team is is in a in a really good position. Uh, I, I think moving forward, Kyler Murray is, is a guy that. I, I'm entertained by watching every time uh, the Cardinals are on TV. Uh, I, he's must-watch television. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Rhino, can't tell you how much we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for your time, and we look forward to having you again down the road here on Inside the Pocket. You bet. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Tell Andrew Emmer, my old producer, keep it real, buddy. <laughs> All right. He's Ryan Leaf, the former NFL quarterback, former number two overall pick of the 1998 draft and our good friend here on Inside the Pocket. That'll do it for us here on Inside the Pocket. It was the week 10 edition and we look forward to week 11 as it's right up upon us. Here is two of the best quarterbacks in the game. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson get it kicked off on Thursday night. For Andrew Emmer, I'm Greg McElroy. Remember, you can download Inside the Pocket wherever it is you get your podcast, and you can always find us on the SiriusXM app. Enjoy the football, everybody.